It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. Here comes Nico Sturm on the ice. He stick handles down the right wing side. Across the line, got really waddled by Logan Stanley, and Nico Sturm is hurt, shaken up. He's, He's down, good. and we get a whistle, and this is the absolute last thing that the San Jose Sharks need. Nico Sturm throttled by Logan Stanley in the corner, and looks like he's holding his head as he is bent over and Ray Tufts is out quickly to attend. He's going to have to come off the ice. I'm sure there'll be the concussion protocol people calling anyway. And you can see him tapping my head, his head. Don't Two. forget that he's had trouble with this earlier. Oh, this is not a good situation for the Sharks. One minute left in the third. Kacken is looking to go to the bench. Long feet ahead, Barabanov down the right side across the line. Stick handles. Here's Eklund across the line. Extra skater on. Eklund stick handling behind the net for the Sharks. Back Ferraro. Shoots. Deflected just wide. Barabanov tips it to himself behind the net. Puts on the brakes. Sends to Cunning. Shoots one right on net. Oh, what a save by Hellebuck. Play called with 36.9 seconds to go. Capo Kacken is hurt. He was struggling coming off the ice. He's being helped on the bench just to stand up right now. He was, he, it was that last play in, that was at front of the net. They call their timeout here at 1923 of the third. He couldn't even get over the boards. Yeah, what's going on with him? I don't know, but this is another thing the Sharks just do not need. Yeah, two situations that popped up last night in the one nothing loss to Winnipeg. What's going on, everyone? We are getting ready for the San Jose Sharks to take on Calgary tonight at 6 o'clock. 5.30 pregame coverage right here on the Sharks Audio Network. The Sharks last night uh, did not play a terrible game in any way, shape, or form against Winnipeg. They just did not create nearly enough offense to make things happen, at least not make things happen in the way that they would have liked them to happen. And when that does happen and you only shoot 17 times on goal as opposed to 39 from the opposition, it unfortunately makes you feel like you wasted a very high, high-level performance from Capo Kakinen last night, who, again, was absolutely phenomenal. You heard that little situation towards the end where he said he was cramping, and then, of course, you heard the Nico Sturm situation. So last night was a bad night and that you lost. Uh, you also have found out from this morning that uh, same lineup as last night, but Mackenzie Blackwood is going to be the starting uh, netminder tonight, as you would have expected, and that Nico Sturm is okay. This is according to Sheng Peng. Uh, Quinn also said that he wanted to be careful with both uh, Thrun and Smith. Uh, both are close, but remain on IR. He said, just kind of being cautious here. We've got the bodies. When they come in, we want them to be in and not look back. So, obviously, the San Jose Sharks dealing uh, with injuries, dealing with uh, just, you know, if you're if you're without Sturm on the second night of a back-to-back while you're already without both Logan Couture and Tomas Hurdle, uh, that's a lot to take. And immediately we could see last night that the Sharks, their compete level was there. I think that's one of the things that we constantly go to with San Jose. We look at their level of compete. 
We look at how hard they're working, but then you juxtapose that with their inability to score. I'm not saying that the hard work is all for naught or that you don't appreciate it, but if you don't score, then one goal is the difference maker. On defense, Burroughs along with Addison. They knock it forward. Put it up the right wing boards. Burroughs put it off the body of Zetterlund. It stays into the zone. Now it's an intercepted pass on a Burroughs clearing attempt, and the Jets set up. The shot from the point, shot, score! That's Neil Pionk from the point, put it in the traffic, and it finally deflects home for Winnipeg. Right out in front of Annette Morgan, Barron was kind of hanging out, causing some problems. But the shot came from the point through traffic from Pionk, and with 2.13 left in the first, it's 1-0 Jets. And that one goal was all it took for the Jets to get a win over San Jose, which is very frustrating because you do know that Giving up one goal is what feels like a winnable game. If you only give up one goal, even if you do get outshot, but only giving up one goal, that feels like a game that you can win. That feels like something that you are in control of, that you have the ability to give yourself a chance at winning. Unfortunately, the Sharks' offense just is not there right now. And this actually goes into one of the questions that people are looking at right now, and that's with Kevin LeBanc, who is... uh, you know, it was been talked about in terms of will he be a guy that could be traded? Uh, he obviously hasn't played that much. He's at the end of his contract. Um, Kevin LeBanc is the type of guy that could potentially give you some offense, but he just hasn't really been able to specifically fit in um, under David Quinn's system. And the same story previously with Bob Bugner. Um, he was, you know, used pretty well during Pete DeBoer's system, but he also was playing alongside a guy like Joe Thornton. When you're playing alongside Joe Thornton, your numbers are going to go up. But there's a couple of things you could take away from that. If you are trying to look for a middle six forward, probably third line forward in LeBanc's case, and you have him around a center, which is older, who can set you up for some high-quality chances, LeBanc has the release speed and the intuition to try and make things happen. Unfortunately, that's not where the Sharks are right now. So his value to the team or his usability to the team, depending on how you want to look at it, uh, has not been maximized so far this year. And I'm not saying that that is a poor utilization of Kevin LeBanc. It's just that right now he doesn't fit in to what the Sharks are doing. So that's unfortunate, but that is a reality. However, I would not be surprised if going forward, he is able to do something at a much higher level with another team. It's all about timing. It's all about fit. It's all about what teams are looking for, what they are trying to do. Just because one player is not great with one team does not mean they can't have greater success with another team. You can always make the argument that that's on the coaching for not maximizing a player's talent ability. But if a player has a skill set that doesn't necessarily uh, line up with what your team is trying to do, then yeah, there are going to be issues with that. There are going to be uh, potential difficulties down the road. And that, I think, is what has happened with Kevin LeBanc and the Sharks. The Sharks have been looking for more physical players, more defensive players, uh, more hard-nosed players, where I think that there's a little bit more finesse to LeBanc's game. He is good on the forecheck. I'm not going to deny that in the slightest, but um, he is not exactly what this uh, version of the Sharks is looking for. So that's why he's not seen the playtime. That's why he's not had the points production. That's why he has not been valued to the same level. But to that note, I do think he will have value in the future, um, even if it's just not maximized right here. Now, in terms of the maximization of the current assets that are on the Sharks, you have to start thinking about what the Sharks' timeline is. I think that this summer, even though they do have cap space, we are not going to see an immediate turnaround next year. I think the Sharks will be better next year, but I don't think they're going to be a... uh, 
a contender or anything like that. But you start after thinking about the best things that can happen for this franchise, and probably that will include some trades of some very good players, like a Mikhail Granlund, who, listen, when he's healthy, he's been really, really good for this team. And I think that other teams are going to value him and value the idea of adding him to their roster if they are in the midst of a playoff push or they think that they can add more to their squad to make them that much better. That's one of those moves that I relatively expect to happen. One of the netminders might be going. I, whether it's McKenzie or whether it's Capo, I, I think that that's something that you have to pay attention to as well. And last night, I guarantee the rest of the league was taking note as Capo was putting on an incredible display against Winnipeg, one of the best teams in the NHL up to this point of the year, in not letting them score more than one goal. Capo was really, really, really good. And I don't think that just disappears overnight when he goes to a new team. He has elevated his game. He is that much better than he used to be. He's got a good thing going on right now, and teams saw that, and they might think, hey, what should we be offering the Sharks? And I think, hopefully, you want to see that same situation happening with Mackenzie Blackwood tonight. If Mackenzie Blackwood has another really good performance against a Calgary team, which is not great, but still a good team, I think people are going to be looking at them and thinking, okay, should we be offering anything for Mackenzie Blackwood? And that's Again, even though if you don't love the fact that it's indicative of the team not being there right now, I say this all the time, and I will say it again right now, it's not about the here and now. What is happening right now is setting up the future in which the Sharks will be a successful franchise, in which they'll have stackpiled the high-level draft picks, in which they will have uh, been able to maximize the ultimate abilities of this rebuild and for clearing up cap space and maximizing the downtime for that upcoming time. And no, that again, does not make things very fun to watch in the here and now. Although I always, I'm always having a good time. If there's a sharks game on, it's just frustrating when you see a game like last night and you say they, wow, had a good performance from the netminder, only gave up one goal, but that was not what converted into a win. And for so long, the mantra was, you know, two or fewer, which for a much better team would be true. If you give up two or fewer goals, that's a chance to win a game. We've seen it with the Sharks this year when they've given up only two going into the third period or one going into the third period. It's not been enough for them to win. They've been shut out on a number of occasions this year. I think there is an opportunity for them to, you know, improve their offensive abilities as they get later into the season, but the Sharks just aren't there as of yet. So, that is how it goes. We'll see where they can try and improve tonight on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. Hopefully, they're a little bit ticked off from not being able to support Capo last night and want to go out there and give it that much more for a player like Mackenzie Blackwood. And just for themselves, I think they all acknowledge that their offensive production needs to be better. And they need to be more, not careful, but they need to be more mindful of the puck. They need to be more aware they need to not give it away. They need to not give the opposition too many good looks. They need to try and control the puck possession. These are all things that as professional hockey players, they are very much well aware of. And I think the fact that they did let these things get away from them, that there was maybe some frustration that they're not being able to create more offense. They were trying to do just a little bit too much. I think they probably realized that they'd given themselves a little bit more puck possession if they'd give themselves a little bit more of an opportunity and not play hero hockey. Well, maybe they are able to walk away with at least one point out of last night's game. And I say that full well knowing that there are those of you saying, Ted, let them tank, let them lose, let them be at the bottom, let them have the most balls in the hopper, let them get Celebrini, celebrate Celebrini, these things right for themselves. But yeah, I get it. I get it. But at the same time, I do know that when the Sharks had that 3-2-1 road trip, that was pretty fun. And when the Sharks got Logan Couture back and started winning games, 
that was pretty fun as well. You know, it does not happen by accident that these good players are out there and it coincides with the Sharks playing better hockey. And at this point, I don't know when Logan Couture is going to come back. He's week to week. You know, for Tomas Hurdle, uh, scope and cleaning up some loose cartilage in his knee, we'll have to see when that happens. We'll have to see when exactly he's back and ready to go. To me, there's also no rush. I don't think either of these guys need to be hurried back. I think that's the same thing you heard about Giovanni Smith and Henry Thrun. Hank, as he likes to be called or is called these days. There is no rush to get these guys back when you're not in a playoff race, when you're in the midst of a rebuild and you're trying to plan and build towards the future. Now, if you're a season ticket holder, you're saying, hey, Ted, I want to see the guys I'm paying for. I want to see those guys out there on the ice. I want to see them have that much of a high-level performance because I'm paying to see this team. I am feeding into its operations. And then beyond that, not that I'm overlooking anyone else's aspect of this, there is the emotional and time investment that goes into being the fan of a team, and you want to see those players play. You want to see them on the ice. You want to see them wearing the sweaters and giving you something more entertaining to watch. I don't overlook that at all. I just know that at the same time, while all those things are true and valid, Sharks are not in a playoff race. They are in the midst of building for the future. And if you do feel that Logan Couture and Tomas Hurdle can be in some way, shape, or form part of that future, then you don't want them out there risking greater injury. Thusly, there is no rush to bring them back until they are 100% better. Now, I have no doubt that they will both work as hard as possible to get back and involved. But again, when that actually comes to pass, I, I couldn't tell you. Long-term injuries Coming back from a knee surgery, uh, those are individual timelines. So for the time being, we just have to wait and see. As for tonight's opposition in Calgary, 25, 23, and 5, 55 points on the year. They are 12, 11, and 1 at home, 13, 12, and 4 on the road. They are 5, 5, and 0 in their last 10 games. And they are a team that a couple years ago people thought were completely headed in the right direction and since then have not been able to refine their footing. And I think that's a situation that you don't want the Sharks to fall into if we're being honest. Um, but, you know, while the Kings have continued to come back down to earth 3-5-2 and two in their last 10, uh, it is interesting to watch what is happening um, in terms of the Western Conference and especially that wild card situation right now. Uh, if we look at the West right now, we do see that the Kings with 58 points are only three points in front of Calgary and Minnesota and only four points ahead of Seattle. So, yeah, if I am Calgary right now, this is a big game. You can give yourself, you know, a win and be one point back of the Blues and the Kings who occupy those two playoff wildcard spots. So the Sharks should know that, even if it is a, and I won't say meaningless because that sounds inflammatory, but I do acknowledge that this is a big game for Calgary who's trying to make something out of this season and prove that maybe they can get better as the year goes on and on, and they feel that as they're getting a close-up look at some of these Sharks that they might want to make a move for, then then that's something that's got to be paid attention to. Like, see exactly who your opposition is, and if it's somebody that you want to get, Calgary might be looking at that as well. So there's a lot to take into play when you're looking at this game. Um, I'm sure Winnipeg was looking at some of the Sharks last night as well just to see what exactly they had. The scouts are always watching. Scouts are always watching. And I say that because you do want to see how a Kapo Kakinen looks against high-level teams like Winnipeg. Now, maybe you will not say the same thing about Mackenzie Blackwood going up against Calgary tonight, 
Um, but I, I guarantee that Capo having a performance like that against a team like Winnipeg that does not go unnoticed. And man, he was really good last night. Now here come the Jets down the ice. Could be a semi-breakaway moving in a little backhand chance by Niederreiter. What a save by Capo Kakinen with 9.08 to play in this second frame. What a terrific pass out of the zone. Well, here we go again. Here we go again down the left side. It's Niederreiter moving in. He's got Appleton in front. Goes for the shot again. And a save by Kakinen. He was looking off to Appleton on the right wing yep. side, but then he was shooting all the way. And just to take a look at those stats from Capo once again last night. 39 shots against, 38 saves, 974 save percentage, and he continues to just be very, very good as of late. Um, If we look at all of his performances, only gave up one against Winnipeg, gave up three against Anaheim, four against Buffalo, three against L.A., two against Buffalo. Uh, He had four in the games against Detroit, and before that, uh, Toronto, also only two against Colorado, only one against Edmonton. Uh, he had the five spot against L.A., but I don't hold that against him. Uh, three against L.A. on the 19th, one against Arizona, four against Vegas, one against Detroit. He came in in relief in that game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for the most part, he's been a solid, solid netminder. And if you look beyond his 3-4-3 goals against average and 9.05 save percentage, if you put those you know, next to some of the shoddy D that's been around him at times, you do see that he has a very, very high ceiling that is unfortunately not being maximized by San Jose. That is something that I definitely look at and something that I pay attention to because other teams are going to be saying, hey, if that guy can get these types of numbers with this type of team around him, what can he do if he has better defense around him? What can he do if he's getting better support, if he's getting more offensive support as well, of which Capo has been, uh, I believe Randy said the stat last night, um, it, he has the fewest uh, amount of goals per game in which he starts across the NHL this year. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that you start thinking about that if you're another team. Yeah, it starts to get pretty attractive. And I don't have a problem with that. As much as I would love Capo and McKenzie to continue to be the Sharks' one-two punch and carry them into the future, I don't know if that future lines up with their specific timelines as athletes. And you just got to wait and figure out and see what happens uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, for me, it doesn't go ignored. I look at the way that Capo and McKenzie have played. Uh, they've both been phenomenal. They've had some not great defense around them, and they continue to go out there and battle night after night after night. That tells me that these guys have very strong mental fortitude, which again makes them that much more attractive to other teams around the NHL. And, you know, for the Sharks going into this game tonight against Calgary on the second night of a back-to-back, I would hope that they are able to uh, make some adjustments and able to, you know, figure out what they need to do offensively to give themselves more of an opportunity to support Mackenzie Blackwood, who I'm sure they want to have, like I said earlier, a better performance for than they did for Capo last night. But I do note that for Calgary, this is a game that means a lot, and McKenzie's going to have his work to do. The Sharks are going to have their work to do. They don't have Logan Couture and Tomas Hurdle right now, but let's see what some of those other players can provide in this game. All right, before we run out of time, let's take a look at a schedule on a Thursday in February for the NHL. Cracking at the Bruins at four. Also, the Sabres host the Panthers. The Devils welcome the Kings. Montreal visits the Rangers. The Ducks are taking on the Senators. And the Avs are visiting the Lightning, as well as the Maple Leafs hosting the Flyers. At five, you've got the Blues welcoming the Oilers. The Stars go see the Preds at 5.30. Chicago hosts the Pens. The Red Wings are in Vancouver at seven. And, of course, your San Jose Sharks are in Calgary taking on the Flames at six. Uh, Dan Rusinowski and Brett Hedekin on the call. 5.30 pregame, 6 o'clock go time right here on the Sharks Audio Network. And then I will see you all tomorrow morning 
as we have Morning Tide to look back at the game that was and then look ahead to Saturday night's game for the Sharks in which they host Columbus. All right, that wraps it up for the buildup for the San Jose Sharks. I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yend.